0: Hello, I'm Howard, welcome to the 9320 Friday Show. The show that has no pithy intro, but salutes any birds that went to five away games on the trot. It's exhausting just thinking about it. Today we're looking back at the week that was, talking to our resident Geordie, and looking ahead to the early Saturday kickoff. We all love an early kickoff on Saturday. No sarcasm there. As always, a bumper-free show and a lot to discuss. And don't worry, there will be Phil Foden chat. To do all this and more, I'd like to be joined by the perfect combination... A mixture of experience and youth, it's a <laughs> and George. <laughs> I've had to change that because Lloyd was going to come on until work got up with him. So. a how you doing?
1: Uh, I f- you've made me feel really old, Howard, by saying it like that.
0: Every day I wake up and my right knee aches, and that's just how
1: life is nowadays. <laughs> yeah, pain pain in your hips is is an absolute sign that you've you've crossed a threshold of old age, and now I have pain in my hips almost every other day. Yeah, George
0: has no idea what we're talking about. No, nope.
1: wait until he has to go to the toilet in the middle of the night.
0: <laughs> George, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you, Howard. I'm good. Although I think I may be deceiving on the youth front, maybe a bit like Calvin Phillips, where you, you think I'm an up-and-coming star, but when you actually look at the age, you start to get a bit worried. <laughs>
0: Dare I ask, how old are
2: uh, 27. 27. Uh, Yeah, 27. Yeah, pretty, he's a baby. Young, yeah. Not a <laughs> baby, but yeah. <laughs> it's young enough
0: to... Yeah, you'd have no idea what we were talking about then, really, so it's all to come, the
2: good times, yeah. Can't um, wait, can't you a, wait. You have a good week, George? Yeah, great week, to be honest. Um, always better off the back of uh, two City wins. Mm. Indeed. How are you yourself?
1: Yes, same. Really, really good week. Whenever City win, it's a good week. And then, you know, like I said the other day, Phil being back has probably made my year because I guess we all were concerned a month ago, I think. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm really over the moon. Although <laughs> Newcastle tomorrow is not going to, they're, they're not going to be a pushover.
0: No, of course not. Uh, for those that listen to the review of the Bristol City match, there will be some repeat Phil Foden talk, and uh, we make no apologies for that whatsoever. Uh, and just one very quick thing before we we do look back, George, because you know, you've not been on the show this week. The and we talked about this much earlier in the week, perhaps for the preview or the review of the game before uh, the news that City are expanding the ground and around the ground, and that City owners still aren't bored. Apparently, how how exciting is it for you as a fan? And how good news is it that they're they're going to expand and got
2: such great plans? Very exciting. Like you say, um, you know, we've always been told by you know rival fans that are oh, one day the uh, you know the Shakes going to get bored and just walk away and leave you and you'll drop down the leagues. But, you know, that, I see no sign of that happening anytime soon. And the infrastructure, like they're putting in place now with the stadium expansion, the new city square, the museum, the shop, you know, the level to which he's brought us to now, even one day if the Sheikh does decide to walk away and sell, there's no way we can plummet in any way, I don't think. And the stadium expansion itself, obviously, is a bit of a... A talking point amongst people, especially online with the old empty seats jibes, and <laughs> we can't fill this, we can't fill that. but having been there pretty much, I think I've only missed one home game this season. you know it, we are we are filling it, and I think you guys mentioned on a previous show this week the Harlem factor's massive, mm. and that's only going to grow if his prestige grows as it is with the 27 goals he's already scored wow, wait people still passing into want- him. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Tearing
2: outside the (laughs) ground to come in (laughs) when he can touch it more than twenty times in match year, it'll be. uh, And I just think it's it. Maybe I don't know how many years off it it will be the building in Mm. terms of the expansion, but I think by the time it's come around, I think it'll be no problem. And I do like the idea of that one big stand. That's I really like that part. I was going well. That's my follow up question
0: for you is that crucial for atmosphere in a way? There's been issues with atmosphere in the past. How having that one, I mean, it'd be great if the entire stand was one, yeah. but I think logistically the, I remember at the time that the ground was built. It wasn't built for this. It wasn't built for expansion e- either. It's not easy. I know city, <coughs> city are planning to stagger the work. So minimum disruption. So it's not like they're going to do it all at once. Uh, and, but that's the plans as a whole, uh, it's, I think it's impossible to do it a single tier, but to have, you know, separate from
2: the South Stand, is it really important to you that we use this opportunity to improve the atmosphere? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, behind that goal at the moment is, is the family stand, and they come in for a lot of heat from other people around the ground. Um, you know, sometimes if we score at that end and you don't get the same reaction as you do maybe in the mm. South Stand, you know, and that's only going to be natural because the South Stand's where. A lot of uh, a lot of the a lot of the kind of away fa- away fa- the people go to away matches sit and you're near the away fans as well, so there's already an atmosphere created by that rivalry. But I think going forward with this new stand, they need to try and get younger people in there. I think and yeah. uh, people n- newer fans and people who are really excited to go to the match, and I think it will create a fantastic atmosphere.
0: Hey, so I've got an impossible question for you that we touched on for seconds, I think, in the previous one. Is it all right for a club to move to move people around like this? You know, you know what it's like when you'd be sat in a, a seat for ages and they move stuff around and you've got to sit here. Where does the power <coughs> lie with that? Does a fan have a right to stay in a seat forever or do you think it is important for City that they use this expansion to move the family, you know, there should be a family stand, of course, but to move it away from areas that are so close to the pitch, perhaps, can they do that? Is it fair?
1: I'm not answering that question. I'll get death threats, you know what I mean? <laughs> No way I'm answering that question. I think that everybody's entitled to feel exactly how they want to feel about any forced relocation of seats. And if people are upset by it, then they're entitled to feel upset by it. And if the club feel it's a necessity, then they're entitled to do it. So how's that for sitting on the fence diplomacy? That's the perfect diplomatic answer. So well done. See, I'm learning. I'm learning all those, all those diplomacy lessons off you and Lloyd are paying off.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've taught you well. Right yeah. uh, right let's let's look at the football then. Uh Yeah, Bristol City George midweek FA Cup
2: round. Big fan or not? Yeah, big fan. Big yeah. fan. I think um they're often brushed aside when it's uh, especially against an opposition side who are in a division below or a few divisions below and kind of discounted by everybody else, but I think it's very very important That certain players got those minutes that we performed and had a lot of the ball, could be a bit more fluid. And it was a vehicle for us to see Phil Foden at his uh, his striking best. What about the competition now sitting in Image
0: Week? I guess there's no, there's no, not much choice nowadays in the schedule we have nowadays, is there?
2: I mean, there's so many games to play and. we're coming up to that part of the season where if you want to be in a lot of competitions, you do have that midweek weekend combo anyway. So I think for our players, they're kind of used to it. And as a fan, it's good. You know, you get two city matches in one week. So yeah, I'm a fan of it. Yeah. To be honest, we're
0: going to lose a game now, you know, to West Ham because of the next round. If, if the FA Cup had stayed midweek, we'd have two games to rearrange, and we don't want that in a time no, yeah. campaign So it is what it is. Uh, A-san, the match itself, uh, well after the event now, uh, we mentioned on the review, I was a bit arsy during the game, being the uh, usual fan of like, oh, why did that pass go astray? Why are they doing that? Why, you know, they're getting too much, Alex Scott's getting too much space down the left. It's a blah, blah, blah. After the event, you look back and you surely say about that performance that was a totally professional, efficient, away cut performance by City to get to the quarterfinals. Is that Absolute, how it
1: felt? Absolutely. I've I've always said that we're so spoiled that if somebody has a shot on target against yeah. us, we get really offended. Do you know what I mean? We're all sat around going, Oh City, what, what are you doing? You're losing control of the game. You let them have a shot. But, you know, the reality is that particularly in a cup game, because it is that away from home, one division below you, a team who have got some aspirations of promotion, they're going to be bang up for it. Just It's the way it is, and you have to accept that you won't always have it all your own way. George, they're just Bristol City themselves.
0: As Asen said, you're not going to go there and just walk all over them, which I think I went in with that slightly arrogant, even though I knew they hadn't lost a game in 2023, uh, 12 games. it scored in every game of those 12 games, I think. Uh, it's not as if we should have expected to walk all over them. Uh, we've seen some other results this week that showed it is the Cup. And even City at their Pomp we could lose games like this. And, you know, I'm not mentioning Wigan anymore in the future. <laughs> but, you know, even in the older days, like Middlesbrough, I think, Nottingham Forest, you know, when they weren't at the best... These can always happen, however good the team is. So Bristol City themselves were brilliant and played it, played the game in the the right manner as well. It just made for a brilliant match, really.
2: Yeah, they were. I was really impressed with them. Actually, as you said, they've come off. They're coming off the back of this un, unbeaten run in 2023, and they have nothing to lose. You know, if they if they if, they, if, they, if when they lost to us, you know, people weren't gonna their fans weren't going to have a go at them you know the players themselves it won't it won't knock the confidence too much so they just played with a lot of freedom and i think everybody's been impressed with that alex scott and nigel pearson you know he's a he's a he's a figure which uh, a lot of people like to speak about but he does have a lot of premier league experience and top flight managerial experience he's he knows how to manage game by game and he was always going to make it a bit difficult for us um and I think the only thing that tips us over the the edge, you know, is the quality of our players. Yeah, Pearson's been around
0: the block until now.
2: He has. He <laughs> yeah. has. He gives. He gives off. Despite being a football manager, he gives off very rugby union dad vibes. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I can't really explain it. Yeah, some interesting stories when he was at Leicester, I think, as
0: well. So yeah, with the the crew. Uh, I think. Ace, and that leaves quiz time. I know you love a quiz. I think that leaves one. We're debating this in the pub. One. They said it during the commentary, and we didn't hear it properly. One team left undefeated in the English leagues in 2023. Do you know who it is? Not a clue. Our next opponents it's Burnley. So, oh, really? Vinny's Burnley. I like it. Yeah, we might have to put that unbeaten run to rest as well. So, absolutely, <laughs> then we get closure on her. Uh, then everyone's lost during the year. So, uh, Asan then, just, when you look back at the last couple of weeks as well, those five away games, when you put together as a group, all City back for you. Uh, have you seen that improvement of form? Have you seen all those issues? And after the Spurs game, everyone was so down, and then we got hit with a Premier League charge, and it was like, I'm giving up on football for you. Uh, <laughs> but And then we all got very bullish, and... Are you seeing the old city here, or do you still think there's room for improvements and issues within this team?
1: Yeah, I do think I do think what we class to be the old city are back to a greater or a lesser extent. I think what has probably skewed everybody's perception a tiny bit is the forest draw. I think that had one of the myriad of of chances at one nil gone in and we win that game comfortably i think we'd all feel a lot more bullish about the idea that city are back i think that result rather than performance maybe skewed a little bit the the positivity but for me the question wasn't really about results because we we've been getting results all season which is why we we've been second for most of the season um I think it was really about the personality of the team and whether we felt that it looked like the team that we've come to know and love. And I think that that really is the case. Um, to me, it really it looks and feels like that. I ju- I, one of the big things for me is that there's probably been a little bit too much focus on Haaland. Um, there's been too much focus both on his individual Performances within games, but also the perceived effect of Haaland on everybody else in the team. The reality is he can't pass to himself. Somebody has to pass the ball to him. And that kind of learning and understanding of how to get the best out of him is something that the players needed to figure out over a period of time. That responsibility for me was never really on him. It was about everybody around him. And I think that we're beginning to find that perfect balance between control, between allowing, you know, allowing ourselves to rest with the football, but also knowing when to be a little bit more vertical in terms of looking for him, looking for him early, looking for him with the right pass. Uh, And the last thing, which I think is probably the most important thing, is how much quality are the creative players behind him showing Maybe that was my biggest um, criticism when the performances weren't there was that it felt like we weren't creating. And that really wasn't on Erling. That was on KDB, Gundo, Bernardo, Grealish, Mares, Foden. Um, And I feel as though we're seeing that creativity now and that's having an impact both in terms of performances and it will have an impact and it's having an impact on results as well.
0: Hmm. George, I think it's worth asking you a similar question in a way. You know, we, we obviously, every season we get to this stage, business end, there's big games, we might be going for a title, might be in the Champions League, might be going for the quadruple. Uh, and you have confidence in the team, of course, because they're just one of the best teams in the world considering the struggles of the last couple of months, do you go into this part of the season feeling as confident as you have previous seasons? You know, Do you think we've got it back? And do you think we've players, and we're going to discuss a couple of individuals shortly, that we're now in as good a position as previous seasons to go on and win some trophies?
2: It's a difficult one, really. I, I don't think, obviously, right now, we're maybe at the levels we were, you know, 2017-18 season or that the run we did in the 2021 season and similarly maybe again 1819 when we went another fantastic run but in those seasons there was kind of this expectation that we would just breeze past everybody and we were playing a lot of flowing football we were scoring a lot of scoring a lot more goals whereas this this point this season we've had to go about things a different way we've played with you know three at the back now for a lot a lot of these games, the system's changing, the personnel, as Asan said, adjusting to Harland. So, although we may not be in the position where we look like the dominant dominant side in the country, I think mentally, we are in the right place pushing forward and I think the personnel we've got into the side now, the spine of Diaz, Rodri, Harland, and then also Phil coming back in form, I think we have set ourselves up nicely for a bit of a run now push on in the competitions and maybe from the whole football world there's not that expectation that we're just going to breeze past everybody because we have had a few slip-ups this year Mm -hmm. and maybe that will go in our favor this year that we're not you know impenetrable at the back and you know hard to stop going forward I think we have grinded a few results out and that's what I like to see and I think that's going to be vitally important in the Champions League, grinding through games and I think we're in a position now to do that. Right, it's time to wax lyrical about
0: what I think we agree was the man of the match during the midweek game. Hey Sam, we've already waxed lyrical about him. This is the Friday show. Let's do it again, shall we? And I guess the obvious question is, this season seems weird. With that World Cup in the middle, it seems like it's been going on forever. And Phil Walter Foden did rack up the goals and the performances early in the season. Then he went off a bit. There's been injuries, the World Cup injuries and so on. It seems like a while since we've seen the old Phil Foden, the one we know. Uh, we know just how brilliant he can be. At just how... Great, did it feel to see him performing like that during the week? Yeah, it's Bristol City, but you could tell that the old Phil Foden was back.
1: Absolutely. I think for me, um, as important as the performance, if not more important, were Guardiola's words and also Phil's words himself. Uh, As I said on the review, I think that sometimes we can get, you know, football. We exist in a bubble sometimes and it's very easy for rumors to, to spread. And, and I think that it was very easy to rumor monger about Phil, um, about what may or may not have been his issues. And it felt really heartening to see Guardiola basically go, he's been playing with an injury and he was in so much pain that he had to come to me and ask. he basically told me that he couldn't play. He was in that much pain and fulfill himself to come out and say after the game that it was the lowest period he's had since he got into football. And he was really in a lot of pain. And now he feels free again in his feet. I think that all of that stuff is amazing because it all it's all almost not contrary, but it puts all of our minds at ease about potential issues, either with Pep or just general issues, potentially off the pitch. George,
0: let's, we pray he stays injury free now, but we talked about going on and winning trophies, you know, uh, in the rest of the season, just, the former Phil Foden. How important is he now for us this season if City are going to be successful?
2: Yeah, massively. He's so dynamic for us, and at the at the age he is, he's already a game winner. He provides big moments. He has done already. You look back at that Champions League uh, run to the final twenty twenty one. Those those Dortmund PSG games where he was mm. just outstanding. Nobody could get near him on the pitch, and and this season. Watching him go through this, like he said in that in the press conference, um, the toughest period in his career so far, and now bouncing back in the last few games that he has, is vitally important. And his stats this season are are great already. Like I mean, last season I think in the Premier League he got nine goals, five assists, and already this year he's on eight goals and four assists. So even with all the matches he's missed and with his injury and not being maybe at his startling best earlier on, he's still performing really well probably yeah. our second second highest goal scorer in the league as well so he's going to be massive for us you've seen how he plays in the big games this season the the first derby um he was just get a hat trick there he's so important for us and I can't wait to see more of him play in the next few weeks do we underestimate how good that finish was as well against Bristol City yeah, it, it it looks like it's just a, a tapping at the back post, but when you see how fast the ball's moving and it's bobbling and bouncing up on the pitch, I think everybody looking at that in slow motion was like, actually, if that would come to me, I would have smashed that out of the ground. <laughs> Definitely. That's, so, that's, yeah, shanked it probably uh, off of the throwing, but yeah. Yeah, but that's that's part of his genius, though. He, he makes football look so simple. His touch and his dribbling and in his finishing it, it never looks difficult for him and, and that just really summed it up in one in one goal did you know there's a stat during the rounds that Foden has more goal contributions
1: uh, per minute per, uh, per minutes played than Saka and Rashford this season which is quite wild when you think about it mm. wow. wow yeah that that's crazy Has that been verified? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It It does surprise me. After the game game last weekend, that uh, Phil's got a goal contribution every 105 minutes of play this season that he's played in. So a goal or an assist. And Rashford and Saka are both hovering around a goal contribution every 120 minutes Mm. in terms of games that they've played. So I think it speaks to his productivity when he when he is on the pitch and the the fact that i think it's something that we we view city in a vacuum we judge our players by their own standards we judge our manager by the standards that he's set we forget that actually the league isn't played in a vacuum your competition are the other teams around you and we consistently excel at everything in comparison to our nearest rivals. And that's a testament to the consistency that Guardiola has instilled in the entire organisation. Yeah, you can sometimes, you know, in past seasons go on the Premier League side, you just see
0: passes or whatever, you know, like goals, obviously, goals scored. And it'd just be City players just dominating every section. It's like, ah, oh, standard it assists. You know, it's just full of players because... We do take it for granted, in a way. Uh, love an absolutely pointless stat on this show. Uh, so here's here we go. Pointless stat of the week. Phil Foden's the youngest ever City player to reach 10 goals for the club in the FA Cup. So another record
1: broken. He's gonna. By the time he's done, there ain't going to be any record. When Foden and Guardiola leave, man, the record books are just going to say Phil Foden and Pep Guardiola.
0: Yeah. we any closer to knowing where his best position is?
1: I think so. So I know that we would all love to see him play in one of the number eight positions, but I think that I've really come round to what actually it's something that Pep said two years ago, two years ago when, when Phil was playing, Pep was saying then that look, he's got a natural smell of goals and that's just, with a guy like that, you have to play him as close to the goal as possible because goals are the hardest things to come by in football. And so I think for the foreseeable future, for me, he's got to play in the front three. Yeah, and he doesn't have that pauser that
0: Pep always wants from his central players, more frenetic. But yeah, it's not a bad thing that he's always looking to get the ball towards goals. So,
1: Yeah. It's- Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think the I think the pauser thing is a little bit overstated in that I think Pep constantly hammers that home because he probably wants Phil to be a bit less of a puppy with a bone. Do you know what I mean? Like he wants him to be yeah. a bit less enthusiastic and a bit more relaxed. But deep down inside, Guardiola loves Phil. It, you know, you can't – that's like telling Messi to, you know – Messi, pause it, pass it backwards. It's like, no, I'm Messi. I'll run past four lads and blam it in the top corner because that's what football's about. And I think that that's where Phil is in terms of his quality and his abilities.
0: Yeah, uh, on the off chance Dean Saunders is listening to this, apologies for using fancy phrases uh, on this show. Uh, <laughs> that means nothing to you. Check out his uh, Talksport rant. But then, that's just that's letting Talksport win, is it not? <laughs> Unbelievable. I can't understand why he didn't succeed as a manager. It's an absolute mystery. Uh, George, another player we discussed a bit more briefly after the Bristol City match is Kevin De Bruyne. He got mixed reviews for the Bristol City match. Again, the rest of the season, he's going to be
2: crucial. That is he lacking
0: consistency right now?
2: yeah i've seen a, a lot of people commenting on his performance especially in the the first half of of the bristol match some people were, weren't happy with him and his sharpness and then he just made again another player who can make football look so easy and when he scores his goal just strolls yeah. inside to the middle of the pitch and just curls one in doesn't even does it's not really a shot it's just a pass isn't it so so precise into that bottom corner uh, but he, he he has had a, a mixed season i think not his, not not played at his absolute best and yet again he's got 12 assists already or something daft in the league top of that, a few goals to his name now as well Yeah he's top um, in Europe, he was a few weeks ago and that just says it all in a way but like, yeah. oh, he's not on top of his game,
0: oh he's the top assister in Europe's top 5 leagues, it's like crazy really yeah.
2: so. and he's, he's one of those players that you sometimes see people calling for him to be substituted when he's maybe having one of his rougher games and then all of a sudden he'll just pull a moment of magic out of nowhere uh, with a, a, an amazing assist or a long range goal or, and that's why you can never be totally confident in bringing him off. I don't think, or, or dropping him. You see a lot of people talk about maybe our best midfield three for fluidity is Rodri, Gundon, Bernardo. And there may be some truth in that. There's a lot, a lot of fluidity in that three, but in terms of dynamism and, and winning matches, you have to have Kevin De Bruyne playing. And if we can get him at his best when he's driving that ball forward, it'll stand us in in good stead and will mean that we'll progress through the Champions League and keep breathing down Arsenal's necks.
0: Yeah, ASAN, your thoughts on him? It's weird, have some strange conversations about Kevin De Bruyne this season, you know, in pubs and with other people who think he might be on the wane. And I think it was said, Yeah, you know, sometimes he can look tired, even if he's not. And he looked like he was fed up playing for Belgium during the World Cup. But to me, he's he's got years left in the game, obviously. I think that's stating the obvious. Does it feel like a temporary problem if he is lacking consistency right now?
1: I think we maybe don't realize that that's always been a small feature of Kev's game. I think since he arrived at the club, for all of his quality, there have been little moments in almost every season, whether it be due to injury, recovering from injury, or just form where he hasn't been at his natural best. But I think it goes back to what I said earlier. The standards are just so high that when they drop a little bit, We feel like it's catastrophic. We go, Oh my God. Like, I I mean, for me personally, writing off De Bruyne is just a madness. And I've seen people, honestly, there was people doing it two years ago. There were people going, his legs have gone. He's finished. You know, it just, it's, it's wild to me. Kevin De Bruyne is Manchester City's (laughs) most important player along with Phil Foden you'd say if there's no De Bruyne and there's no Foden in the team you're going to struggle you're just going to struggle because we rely so much on those two for pure creativity um so I, I don't really have any concern I feel as though we'll be having this conversation in three years time there'll be some fella going De Bruyne looks like his legs have gone and we'll be sire going but he's got 15 assists I don't understand so no I'm I'm really not worried. I feel as though I'd love to know what you two think. I feel as though we have at the right moment reached a point in the season where you look at the squad as a whole and you go, we're in a really good position now. There's nobody who you look at and you go, oh, he's a real worry. He is Grealish, for somebody who I was so critical of has been just incredible. Um, I think Mares somebody who always divides opinion has been amazing since the World Cup. Foden's back. Haaland can't stop scoring goals. I think KDB whether he's up or he's down he's always going to create something. I just I feel right throughout I think you know Walker back playing playing well, Diaz back playing at his best. It's it's a really good moment for us Touchwood.
0: Hm. there's There's by no issues as always is uh George Calvin Phillips of course the issue he's got we I think we agreed he put in an all right performance nothing more nothing less it was great he got 90 minutes but ultimately if Roger stays fit and we obviously all want him to stay fit he's now in a position where he's just not going to play much anyway and he's stuck he's stuck where he is basically on the bench perhaps for the the rest of the season uh, there was little issues with Alvarez in this game or where he plays Amiric Laporte not getting game time but of course you can't play everyone can you the fact that pretty much everyone's available except for John Stones is damn good <laughs> going into March and so hopefully John Stones will be back soon so we're in a good position generally back. yeah uh, But George yeah just finally uh, how do you feel about those peripheral players so to speak regarding their game
2: time recently is it just the way it is it was It was great to see like I said Calvin Phillips get that full ninety minutes against uh, Bristol, but it's it's still at the point I think where say we say we're in a, a cup final and Rodri gets injured, he's going to be out of the game, and everybody else is fit. Who will Guardiola pick in that role? and I don't think he will pick Phillips at this moment. I think mm. he'd pick Gundo ahead of him there. I think he'd probably even play Bernardo on his own in that deeper role instead of Phillips and possibly even John Stones, the people he could rely on. I I do not think that Guardiola would trust him to deputise for Rodri in a big game. And that, at the moment, remains my big worry. And I know he needs to get more minutes and be able to prove himself in a City shirt. But as as I said earlier, he's not as young as we all may think. And for his own career, he may want to move at the end of the season if he's not getting the minutes that, that he wants. So I am still worried about that. But a few other figures, like you said, Alvarez, um, it's great to see him get a goal again and he's going to be important for us down the stretch. And again, what Aysan alluded to there, that front three especially, we're at a point now where if one person's missing out, you're not so worried because you know that everybody's in bang hot form and there's goals goals coming into the team from all over the pitch now, I think, not just Thailand. Indeed.
0: Right, let's move on. The draw itself, uh, narratives, lots of narratives, obviously. City out the hat first, so didn't have the stress of the previous round where City United were left in to quite late, I think. I thought, oh, God, here we go. It's happening. And, of course, we go and get Burnley at home. asan eh, Vinny's coming back. Your thoughts? I asked for this draw. You, you did? Remember?
1: I, I said Burnley. Did home. you make
0: a few calls and get it sorted? I did. You know, I, I ran the fellows with the warm into, balls. Yeah. Brought a microwave exactly. into the
1: studio. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I, th- I think it's, it's got to be the Romantics pick. It really has. If you, Guardiola's doing his press conference right now. He's just said that he fully expects Vinny to be uh city manager one day. I just think it's, It's the perfect draw, really. It really is the perfect draw. I think it's the perfect draw from a a, a Romantics point of view. And I also think it's the perfect draw for Vinny. I think he gets to bring his team to the Etihad and gets a barometer of the work that he's done between the start of the season and now. He'll have a better idea of where they are in terms of their push, not just for promotion, but how they could fare next season. Um, So, no, it's just only positives for me. George, your feelings?
0: I I did put in the notes, could his return be an unwelcome distraction? What a party pooper
1: I am. (laughs) Howard, can I just say, I I, I guess maybe part of why I think it's the perfect draw is, honestly, if they come to the Etihad and beat us, I'm sound with that. Uh, I'll, you know what I mean? Like there's no way that if Burnley come to the Etihad with, with Vincent company as manager and deservedly beat us that I don't doff my cap and go, cool. Well done. Do you know what I mean? You're not not coming on the review then if they do. So, I would not
0: be Fair sound enough. with that at all. Fair not enough. Enough. <laughs> well, I was going to say our FA Cup record over the last decade. Everyone talks about the Champions League. The FA Cup's been a bit disappointing as well. Let's be honest. So, but it did, and it started our journey in the FA Cup. So, no, I don't want us to lose. That's for sure. So, and I would expect a strong side. But we will see. Yeah, George, your thoughts of him coming back? Not a distraction, really. Just something to be celebrated in a way.
2: It's gonna be it's gonna be a strange feeling, isn't it? I I can't remember a an opposition manager that's coming to the Etihad in recent years that's gonna get you know a welcoming reception. Let alone the one that company's gonna get. It's <laughs> it's
1: gonna be crazy.
2: It's yeah, and singing songs about the opposition manager for for most of the game. Probably it's gonna be it's gonna be brilliant scene on, on the sidelines. And I can't wait to see this Burnley team in the flesh. They've had so many plaudits from around the the football world this season and their fans you know can't sing his praises high enough so I'm really intrigued to see how they are in the flesh because I think they're going to give us a proper good game and they're not going to roll over and company himself will really want to make his make a mark on his return he won't want to go sheepishly away having been beaten 3-0 he'll he'll really want to impose his his Burnley side on this fixture and mm-hmm. it's going to be a really tasty tie I think Well, their last defeat was in Manchester
0: against United, so in the other cup that we don't talk about anymore. Speaking of which, in the press conference, a journalist has actually asked, uh, I don't know if the aggregators missed, you know, been uh, paraphrasing, Pep Guardiola on whether Manchester United winning the Carabao Cup inspires City. No, nothing. Why on earth would you ask that question? (laughs) Stuck with this bizarre question. Why on earth would that inspire City? Anyway, Burnley, a son, they are coming up. <laughs> they are probably going to win the league. I think Sheffield United have a game in hand, but it's still a 10-point gap, the win the league. In a way, the league's taken care of itself, so they'll play the strongest side. This is not going to be an easy game, is it? absolutely
1: not and also I mean forget about the league you also have to look at the man the manager look at what type of man he is he's absolutely not coming to the Etihad to have his tummy tickled by Guardiola he's coming to prove himself I I just he's such a competitive monster Vinny and we know that that it's incomprehensible to me that they turn up and aren't at their absolute best, and he doesn't pick his absolute best team. I just, I expect it to be one of the most difficult home games that we have this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it is good, and of course, the winner gets to go to Wembley. So it's it's not will bring, I don't know how many of the fans seven eight thousand is it or whatever at top tier. It's a big game. Just don't be on a Friday night. Hope it's over the weekend. So, George. Pep's also said in the press conference, you know, he said he will be a City manager one day. It's written in the stars. Do you see him as a potential Pep successor? And if so, is any of that based on sentiment? And what I mean by that is, if he'd never played for City, let's say he was a, I don't know, an Arsenal legendary player instead, we wouldn't be. Would we be talking about him as a future City manager? Or the fact that he has played at City should be taken into account as possible possible successor
2: no I I don't think we would be speaking about him as a possible successor if he hadn't played for City but then like you say on the flip side the fact he has played for City and being one of the most important players in the history of our club uh, is a very important factor as well he'll get it from day one if he ever did decide and and the club ever did decide to employ him you know there'd be no learning curve for him he would know what's expected and he would and he'd be probably comfortable in the role and at the helm of the club but i have to say i would, would probably be more nervous about him being manager than any other appointment just on the basis <laughs> that if it did go wrong i think everybody would just be absolutely heartbroken but
0: anyone who's not pep in a way ASAN, expectations are lower if you get someone in like that. Do you see what I mean? It's like he will be allowed to develop. I mean, the the bottom line is he'll be managing in the Premier League next season, and that's when we'll get to see what his
1: team's like. I think so. I think I I have always been reluctant to anoint anybody automatically as Guardiola's successor because, one, we don't know how long Pep is going to stick around for. And two, unfortunately for us, um, there is only one direction after Guardiola goes for mm. in terms of the amount of success and the amount of games that we've won. It's just, it's very difficult to imagine somebody comes in and can build on and do more than Pep has done. Um, so it's a difficult question to answer. He's obviously ticking the right boxes now, but in terms of, If it was somebody else, would we be having the conversation? I don't think we'd be having, like, when Vinny left Andalect. nobody was talking about Vinny replacing Guardiola because he didn't do a great job at Andalect. And the reality is that whoever is linked with the City job, it will be based on success that they have as a coach. It won't be based upon whether they were a City legend or not. Hmm. And that's the right way to look at it. Absolutely. Absolutely. The club aren't, you know, they're not sentimental like that. Yeah. Winning is the most important thing.
0: Indeed. Well, we will see, won't we? Yeah. Just a uh, one time, it should be a cracking match anyway and a very interesting tie. And yeah, I want to get back to Wembley as well. So I guess the final question is, <laughs> George... Does this feel like, I mean, I already said it's a difficult game against Burnley, so please don't take this as, oh yeah, we're getting through, don't worry about it. But is there any feeling in your mind that we're moving towards a playing United at Wembley at some point? It's a horrible thought, isn't it? (laughs) And that was my next question. How does that make you feel?
2: Oh, Horrible. I mean, like you say, the Burnley match is going to be tricky, but if we did get through... They've got ten
0: Uni- sorry, they've got their tenth home game on the row, United.
2: Oh. And people talk yeah, about some-
0: easy games for city, easy draws city. Ten home games on the row, Fulham at home, they'll win that one, I think. So
2: Yeah, I think they'll Fulham will be tricky customers, but I think they'll dispatch them you know, the last minute goal as they have making a habit <laughs> of the last few games, unfortunately. Um But yeah, the prospect of playing them at Wembley is pretty disgusting. Um <laughs> disgusting this in a semi-final off or, or potential final and I don't think I could take a final Um, I think a semi-final against them we've beat them once in a semi at Wembley if we did play them and we lost it it would be heartbreaking but at least the trophy that day wouldn't be on the line but mm. if a trophy's on the line in a final wow, that's going to be... <laughs> what time are you going to start drinking? <laughs> yeah, 72 hours beforehand. <laughs> Just an alcohol
1: drip the, the whole week in the building. Yeah. You know what? I think... Uh, a probably a weirdo who really wants it to happen. So. No, no, I definitely don't. I think one of the things... what I think one of the ways in which you slightly misunderstand me, Howard, is that it's been really easy to... Enjoy derbies over the last decade because United are crap objectively. And so it just, it means that you can kind of go in. I've always felt going into those games a calm because whether we win or we lose, I know that we're better. I think now looking forward, two things. I think one, we're going to have to accept the fact that United are going to be around us in lots of competitions. And Mm. the other thing we've got to accept is that they are not the basket case from a footballing point of view that they have been over the last decade. Um, He has done a great job. I always say
0: we should be, this day was coming and we should be, should be really thankful that we had a decade of incompetence from United, that it went on for that long
1: because eventually they're going to get things right. So, but you know what? I'll say something else, Howard, right? So, One of the things that Liverpool fans can't handle at all is how tight the race is. Like basically the fact that they've been on the losing end of league titles by a point, by a couple of points. It it amplifies the pain when you come that close and lose out. So what I'm hoping for is that over the next five years, United fans have got to suffer the indignity that the Scousers had of thinking that you're really good and still finishing behind City.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd settle for that. But of course, as for the you know, the inevitability, and it's not that, of meeting, the other semi-finalists will be a championship club and Brighton. And, yeah, you know, Brighton are a really decent side, but it just shows, you know, there's no like huge guns there, are they? On the other side of the, the draw. So we will see. We've got to get past Burnley first. Right. That's enough looking back and looking forward to perhaps Finney being our manager for 20 years in the future and winning everything there is and getting a second statue outside the ground. Uh, I wonder if he'll go and visit it when he comes back. We will see. That is the end of part one. Uh, up next, yesterday I caught up with Newcastle fan Harry to talk about all things Newcastle. I'm delighted to be joined by Newcastle fan, Harry De Cosimo. Uh, Good afternoon, Harry. How are you doing?
3: Hi, Howard. um, Thanks for uh, having me on. I'm really good. Looking forward to having a chat about Newcastle and
0: Manchester City, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. I really appreciate it. I guess, considering you're uh, 18 months into takeover now, cup final last weekend, one catch-all question to start you off. How are you feeling as a Newcastle fan right now?
3: It's really strange because this is the most positive there's been uh, to be a Newcastle fan in in a decade and a half. Mm. Um, And yet if you're taking the last 18 months as the sort of starting from then until now, this is probably the toughest spell in that or one of them in at least since January where the, the, the wheels, I wouldn't say they're coming off, but, there's a difficult from January onwards till till pretty much now, or at least till the start of February. It was all positive. the The transfers came in in January uh, last year, saved the club from relegation, showed top four Champions League form for the second half of that season. Yeah. Carried that on unbelievably in a sense this this year as well. Um, and and then suddenly, you know, I think a, a variety of factors have come in. Tiredness after the World Cup, just that sort of natural running out of steam that every club who is punching over their weight'll go through. Uh injuries, you know, loss of slight loss of form, they're all sort of biting at the same time. And there's a little element of uh a little element of trepidation about about the rest of the season to a degree. I think yeah. it's still gonna be a fantastic season. It's still gonna be you know, the outlook is and the perspective is needed, but considering where Newcastle were a month ago now is sort of it's it's probably at the most difficult point of the season at the moment yeah
0: Uh, have you lost faith then in getting top four positions Uh,
3: I don't think you can say I don't think you can lose faith completely because you know it's it's still only a couple of points and um in it and there's two games in hand I think um I don't have the table to hand but I think it's something along those lines so I don't think you can say that it's it's fully gone, but you've got to Mm. accept that the way Newcastle are playing at the moment, they're not scoring goals. That defence that between October and sort of end of January looked absolutely impenetrable uh, completely. You know, they just didn't concede goals. Um, You know, 16 clean sheets, 17 clean sheets for for Nick Pope. Um, All those records that stood. And and the defence is still very strong. It's just not fully functioning on the, on the same level now um, you know and, you got that, and then you've got to think that Liverpool are starting to pick up points again Tottenham are always going to be there because of players like Harry Kane Manchester United are, are, are playing at a level that you know as they showed last week Newcastle just can't match at the moment so the other teams are, are, around Newcastle is now starting to click a bit more than they were and as I say just at the wrong time it is going to be difficult, I think, just because Newcastle need to regain momentum and that's quite difficult to do at this stage of the season.
0: Mm. So is it fatigue, do you think? that's is, yeah, Or do you think we're overachieving beforehand? Because obviously, as you say, you just stayed up last season. The owners mm-hmm. will get to. It's steady building. Yeah, you've not gone out there and just splashed £500 million, uh, mm. unlike Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You, you were never expected just to you know like rise to the mm. top immediately. So do you think you're overachieving before and you've regressed to the mean, or do you think it's other problems that you're just running out of steam a bit right now?
3: I think, yes, they, the Newcastle have completely overachieved in the first half of the season. I think everybody would have said, sort of top aim for top eight in a cup run, and suddenly you can guarantee probably... That, that's you can almost guarantee that's going to happen now. You should be able to, at least. Hmm. But but obviously, along the way, when you've been third and you've been fourth, and even one... I mean, it's silly to do this when you look back at the end of the season, but when you're in the middle of it and it's December and Newcastle uh, are beating Leicester 3-0 off the back of coming back from the World Cup, everyone genuinely started to say, they're only a couple of points off the top of the league. Can they, can they push for a title? Can they do a Leicester? Um, that was never, never really on the plate for newcastle this season and it probably won't be for a good for, uh, legitimately on a consistent basis for a good 5 10 years at least um so i think yeah i think there is a, a element of of overachieving because newcastle should be aiming for top half this season um but having said that i think a lot of mate a lot was made last january about newcastle signing a lot of proven premier league players to get them out of trouble and dan Byrne and uh, Matt Target we use as great examples, but actually I think if you look at the overall um, transfer spend and, and, and recruitment drive that Newcastle have gone on in three transfer windows now, there's a lot of players who you should who, who could play in the Champions League quite easily. Bruno Guimaraes, uh Kieran Trippier, Alexander Isak, yeah. Nick Pope. There's a lot of this, there's a lot of quality there that that could play for another a number of the other top six clubs. And that spine of the team is actually very strong, so I actually don't think that they are too far away from being regular challengers of the top six. But the top six and the top four are very different things. Um, I think, I, and I think, yeah, there is a the sort of element that that running out of steam is a thing.
0: Do you think not finishing the top four would really hamper your development transfer wise in the summer? I just think <sighs> you'll, it won't make much difference. You, you should be in Europe. Into the season, you know, next season. So
3: I think, I think for me, the big thing this, I I appreciate that that that's a very good argument to make because obviously Champions League brings you the, the brings you money, more money, more revenue, which is which is the kind of money that Newcastle need because where Newcastle will lack in terms of, um, being able to recruit in the summer in, against play, teams that they now would consider their rivals, i.e. the top six, the big six in the Premier League, as they're called, is lack of um, advertising and and, and money that, that Newcastle can't just chuck a load of money into it because of financial fair play. So they have to build um, advertising, build sponsorship deals, all that sort of thing and and, and, fi- and find those revenue streams. And the Champions League would obviously help with that. Um so in that sense, yes, it would it would probably hamper them. But in terms of attracting players, I don't think that they would necessarily be, be shopping in a different market than they will if they finish sixth or seventh this season. Mm-hmm. And I think in terms of keeping existing players, I think just showing the likes of Bruno, the likes of Botman, the likes of Isak, that they can challenge this early on in the process will keep them around for longer. Because I honestly don't believe that they... Bruno Morris, as much as he can talk about wanting to win the Champions League and play in the Champions League at Newcastle and win trophies for Newcastle, he can't have honestly thought that they were likely to be in the Champions League within two or three years of being, fifth, of being third bottom in the Premier League when he joined. Right. So that sort of process will be enough, you would think, initially to keep those around and it'll be enough to impress other players. And as I say, the fact that Newcastle have already been able to attract that calibre of player as as, as those named will give will will shouldn't shouldn't hamper their ability to sign other players of such quality. It's more the financial issue of finding the, the revenue streams that allowed them to do that without breaking
0: uh, FFP rules and no. having those issues. Don't worry about financial fair play. <laughs> <laughs> we don't. <laughs> Uh, this is going to sound like a strange question, but here we go anyway. I occasionally get, because as people know me know I'm a terrible fan. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those nervous fans, you know, get stressed out mm. for a big game. Very occasionally, I, th- I think I have this thought pops into bed. God, I wish we were average or rubbish again, because I don't, I don't want to have to go through the stress of this huge match against United or Liverpool this mm. week, but... What well, I'm leading to it, and then, of course, it's well worth it because of the highs are just amazing. Yeah. But As you get better, and expectations, of course, risen in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. Is it more stressful being a Newcastle fan nowadays?
3: Do you know what? It actually isn't because I understand exactly what
0: you mean. If you ask me that in
3: a couple of years, the answer yeah. might be different. But at the moment, the difference is that, they are going for games and winning games that they should win and then go and then going into these games and thinking okay well we'll give it a go like the the home game against against you guys where um you know we probably thought let's see where we go here and then we were 3-1 up and you couldn't allow yourself to really relax into it because it's Manchester City and as happened they can just score two goals within however many minutes but the difference between that and before was that Newcastle was scraping one-one draws in relegation battles before, and it was terrible football, and it was there was no hope at all. So I know what you mean, but at the moment, is there's this sort of sweet spot where it's it there's no expectation, it's just all still all new, it's still all different. Having said that, the cup final last week, it was everyone was. You've seen the pictures of Trafalgar Square, I'm sure, but everybody on the day was very nervous. And then after it, there's this sort of sense of, oh, we should have done better there. We should have done better. So that that will, eventually that'll change, and eventually we'll be sat where you are um, and thinking, I, I, I don't like the stress of this big Champions League semi-final. Yeah, which sounds ridiculous, and <laughs> but I completely understand what you mean because I've been there years as a as a young fan, you know, watching Newcastle in the UEFA Cup semi-final. That, that was a day that broke my heart as a 10 year old mm. um and in the champions league you know the final game in 2003 where we 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 became the first club to lose the first three games in the group stage and go through <laughs> that, that that that's kind of that that's kind of what you're talking about then those nerves were there for the fans but at the moment it's it's still the sort of novelty of just relaxing actually and there's a very strange contentment of going to games at the moment because yeah.
0: Newcastle are actually doing the job properly. I think City is linked to expectations that it's, we've been painted in many areas of the media of we should, as a par score, win everything. I don't think you'll ever have that because you'll always, yeah, yeah. You'll always have the competition. However good you are, it won't be to the point where oh, well, Newcastle should win everything because there's uh, yeah. so much and competition I think around them. Chelsea are spending City will be there, United are we and, and that's why i really point. feel
3: sorry for i feel sorry for pep guardiola in that sense because
0: he <laughs> is <laughs> fine he's doing i know bad.
3: i know i know but but it, throughout his career the one thing that's the one thing yeah. that's always been leveled at him is that he's never won the champions league more than twice and it's like yeah but nobody else really has and well, but, but, it, mean, the, no. but but the expect, the expectation is that because he's, if he's, if he's as good as he, as everyone says he is, that he should win it every year. But that actually just inadvertently proves that he is as good as everyone says he is because everyone expects him to do it. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I, so I, I do, I know what you mean completely. And I think one day that'll happen, uh, for Newcastle. I think that the level of expectation will shift. But at this stage in this, in the process, and given how, not how, how well they've done in comparison to what people expected, there's this sort of very nice sort of, let's see where this goes it's a very it's been a very enjoyable season
0: Um, just for that reason I
3: think it will get more stressful as time goes on in a very strange way though
0: now the dust has settled on the cup final how do you view it a wonderful experience to be at Wembley or deep disappointment that you couldn't you're still waiting for that trophy or optimism that this will be the future for you because you know once you're at Wembley City were lucky we were lucky the first time we got to the semi-final we beat United then we beat Stoke which mm. you know it's not the worst team to they were Premier League yeah. side at the time but not the worst side to having a final uh it wasn't a great match mm. for the first time we got there we got the trophy our first trophy and you know it was and everything took off from there you'll have mm. that weight but you know I guess patience is a part of it was it do you see more positives than negatives from last weekend or are you still pretty disappointed
3: yeah I think I think overall I see I see positives because the sense is that Newcastle will come back I think in previous times when they've got to the final in in like 99 98 it was a sort of the sense was we'll have to do really well to get here again whereas there is a sort of plan and there's a plan and the means to get there again and I think that's why deep down people are probably there's disappointment but there are there's more ability to take positives in that sense but yeah, I think I remember watching the semi-final draw and thinking if Newcastle could, could actually draw Manchester United here and somehow beat them in the semi-final, then they'd have Forrest or yeah, you know, they'd have Forest in the final. Then then you're pro- then then the, there's a, there's there's a flip there, and you think across two legs back at St James's Park would they have a better chance of beating and and you know hold them at, hold them at Old Trafford and have a better chance to beat them at St James's Park than 90 minutes at Wembley where the pitch is big, the nerves are different. There's a very I don't think I've ever seen many great games at Wembley because the, the, the occasion, it's like it's like a derby for everyone. Do you know that sort of sense where you can't really relax into the game? You can't play your proper game because the occasion is so big. And I think that's, and Manchester United are always going to, at this stage, are always going to handle that better because of the players they have. So you've got to be philosophical about, about the final itself. There were disappointments in that Newcastle didn't really lay a glove on Manchester United, but... Again, I just think they came at the wrong time. I think if if Newcastle were playing as they were in 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 uh, November or late October, it might be a different and um, uh, it might be a different game. But they, they, they things have just gone that little bit more difficult, and I think that's why the Liverpool game, the Manchester United game, and now the Man City game just sort of coming at the wrong time for them.
0: Mm. One last topic I have to cover before we talk about the match itself on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some common ground of course, and that would be an ownership <laughs> A common ground, uh, 18 months. I think Was it October 21. Well, it was finalized, Yeah, October 2021. 20, yeah. Uh, tired yet of defending your club?
3: I think the same, my, my view on it's the same as it was then, which is, um, you know, as, as fans, you, you can't do anything about the ownership and, um, you know, you don't ask for that. And, um, There is a sort of level of, you know, you've got to remember that you aren't, you can't be judged as the moral arbiters when, when Mm. all the other things that go on do. But at the same time, you've you've got a responsibility to 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 understand these things and allow these things, this noise to happen. The noise is, is in a sense, good. And I really didn't like seeing people with Saudi Arabian flags when we last week and things like that. And Mm. that shows. That shows it's to, that. So to, that's where the line is. Do you know what I mean? I think that's for me. That that's where that's where you've got to draw it. Really, um, you know, if 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 fans feel strongly enough to stop supporting Newcastle because of it, then that's absolutely fine. But I don't get the set. But 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 I don't agree that anybody. You know, I don't agree that the fans should should take responsibility for it in the sense of 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 stopping supporting them but they should also learn about it and and definitely don't do things like wearing like wear like uh, donning saudi flags at games and you know that Mm -hmm. that sort of blind thing where i think research you know understanding and living living you know and 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 gaining the sort of knowledge of it is, is 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 what you should do to stop to stop yourself doing that sort of thing but there's only so much a fan can do i think
0: yeah, do you think media coverage has generally been fair? Then, in that respect, that,
3: um, yeah, yes, to a degree, I think it's it's again, it 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 just comes, at, uh, it just depends where it's aimed at. Because if you're aiming it at the owners themselves, then then they have questions to answer, hmm. but the fans don't have questions to answer because the fans haven't done the the you know what I mean. The fans yeah. haven't done. Committed anything? The so, owners
0: aren't, and they aren't going to answer questions, though, are they? Yeah, you know, that, they've taken and that, control, and it is what it is. And that's,
3: yeah. and that's where, and that's where the 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 noise has to happen because just say, just just stopping the noise just stops that. You know that there are obvious issues that need to be discussed, hmm. and I think that when Amnesty International make these calls, they have the absolute right. That's their job. They're, they're not they're not doing it because they don't support Newcastle or they're not doing it because they they you know
0: they're all Sunderland some, fans
3: yeah, yeah well, I, well well you say that but i saw somebody say uh, on the bottom as a comment on a post about amnesty international today say is there a macam in the camp and it's like that that's what i mean that's 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 ridiculous you can't you can't get that to that level you've got to yeah, you, you've got to have an understanding a, a, an adult conversation about these things and understand that that these people have, you know, these people have reasons for doing these things. And it's, it's just, it's just out of, it's just out of the whole, the point I'm making is it's out of the fans' hands, regardless of, of which way you fall on the, fall on the fence, really.
0: Yeah. The bottom line is if you, I mean, I don't speak for anyone, but I would say with some, much confidence, 90% of fans who are in our position saying, you know, haven't won a trophy for a long time. You know, who knows how long we have left on this air. And it was down to a single fan to say, "Would you okay this takeover from people?" Mm. Yeah, you know, they'd they'd say yes because <laughs> their their first concern as a football fan is they just want to win stuff. And yeah, but of course, it never was the fans' decision, and it is what it is. And yeah, and I think that that balance thing of not blowing smoke up a owner's ass, but being able to enjoy the football as a fan, is a perfectly acceptable balance. Others, of course, will. Have different attitudes, right? Let's finish off by looking at the match itself uh, on Saturday. You're a big fan of half twelve kickoffs, he asks sarcastically. Oh, um, no, just so we know, official <laughs> stance of ninety three twenty podcast is we despise them. so it,
3: Yeah, they, they're just yeah, they're not great, are they? But um, especially
0: for a big game like this, it's like yeah, half five,
3: it, it, yeah. Or, or, a, or a Sunday afternoon yeah, type thing, o'clock.
0: yeah. I mean, I'll take three o'clock, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 a, this season
3: it's quite strange that I, I, a lot of Newcastle fans have forgotten what a three o'clock kick-off feels like, because mm. most of the game, most if not all of the, the last, I think every game since the World Cup has been on TV. Welcome
0: so. to your future now, this, yeah, this
3: is that that's it, isn't it, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's bad. Uh, really between the lines, <laughs> but I can't remember if it was off air. you said that, you. You don't seem very confident of getting a result in this game. Whereas no. me, as a City fan, I think this is going to be a really tough game. Uh, <laughs> recent form, or is it? And I've I've looked this up. I can't see any updates. You know, up to Thursday now as we speak. Mm-hmm. Bruno Guimaraes, yeah. is it going to be like a late fitness test situation with him?
3: Yeah, there's a doubt about him because he was he didn't he didn't um, he limped he was limping out of the game Ankle last again, week. Yeah, yeah, and. So there is a doubt about him. Um, I think if he's fit enough, he'll play. I think that's. I don't think. I think Eddie Howe understands that, and Bruno himself is sort of that kind of character where he'll he'll do what he can to play. It's it's. So I think the chances of him playing, I wouldn't rule him out. If he if he if he doesn't play, he's definitely definitely not fit enough if that makes sense how Um,
0: how key is he too
3: oh i mean he's everything and the stats uh uh, that isn't an exaggeration i mean the stats back it up newcastle haven't won without him and you can see he's the there's a lot of really good players and and important in different ways you've got trippier for the leadership you've got uh um nick pope for the sort of the sort of last last line of defense type of importance Mm. and rushing out and all right, I mean, he got sent off doing this, but generally, the sweeper keeper element of his game has been really impressive this season. Um, you've got Botman, who's really sort of solidified that midfield. Sorry, that defense. Um, and Bruno just makes everything tick in midfield. You know, they they have bite, they have creativity, they have you know an ability to press. That that he just it's everything is to do with him. And without that, you know, Newcastle don't have that cohesive nature in the midfield and against. Your midfield, in particular, De Bruyne. You know whether it's Bernardo Silva, whether it's Rodri. You know, dictate and play. That in pretty against pretty much all of those players in a one-on-one, you would want you only Bruno is the Bruno is pretty much the only player on a on an ability level who can go toe-to-toe with them. So, I would go so far to say that they need Bruno to have any chance. Um, you asked if I was confident. The reason why I'm probably I'm not confident is because. Manchester City and the Etihad has never been a good place for Newcastle to play, even when, even in the days when you when Manchester City didn't have any sort of money, you know. In the mm. t- 2000s was there a season in two thousand six, two thousand seven, where you barely scored a goal at home? Is that right?
0: Oh yeah, Stuart uh, Pearce. Yeah. yeah, we don't talk you, about those years. So.
3: But 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 even but but you played the Etihad, the Etihad was the City Manchester Stadium as it was called then. Newcastle were a, on paper a better team. And yet they still didn't win. So it's it, there's no reference point for me <laughs> to go to the Etihad and understand how to win at that ground, similar to the Emirates, similar to Old Trafford. It's it's just so it and and that means that if you were in Chelsea's position and we were in Arsenal's position going into this game, I still have the same answer for you for that reason. But 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 legitimately now the, the form is not you know the form isn't what it was, if this was October, I'd go there thinking, yeah, okay, we can do this on November or even January, mm-hmm. I'd have have a bit more confidence. With all that said, Newcastle haven't had a better team that's gone to the Etihad in, yeah. in I would argue probably ever because I think you moved to, you moved to that stadium after Sabobi left and that was the last time we were this good. So, um, so in that sense, you know, I've got to be as confident as I'll ever be, but yeah, I just think, you I think you'll be too strong but I understand why you why you as a as a Manchester City fan will fear us but I think that that purely relies on on whether Bruno's fit
0: yeah well how how do you think how will set you up then? it's will it be based on you dependent on remain yeah, yeah the defensive yeah, so, solidity remains still because it is so, still is so there isn't it to some extent
3: yeah so 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 what you would see a typical Newcastle um of this season is a 4-3-3 um, with a really sort of high intense press in the midfield, a high line at the back, in a four, but nobody exploiting the space behind because that press is so effective.
0: Hmm.
3: Without Bruno, that press becomes less effective. That high line still has remained, and that's where the the issue. That's why it's looked a little bit less, uh, a little bit more frail in the last few weeks because Bruno's not been there, so the press hasn't been there, but the la- the high lines still been there, and then play, and then teams have got in behind. And obviously, you don't want to do that against Erling Haaland. Um, so if that's what him, yeah. that, that, that was precisely. If, if and that that's what worries me. But I think so with Bruno, that'll that'll happen in the same way, and they'll try. I, I would imagine they'll try the same. They'll try the same way because it doesn't seem like Eddie Howe has a different way of playing. Whether you can use that as a criticism against him, you know, that's that's up to you, I guess. But for me, um, it, it, there has been. I have watched Newcastle in recent weeks and thought they need to do something a little bit different when Bruno's not there because you can't just accept that you're not going to win a game when one player doesn't play. Mm. Um, and that's what Newcastle have had to do, as I say. Without Bruno, it would probably be a 4-2-3-1, so sort of slightly different formation, but a different it's more like the different emphasis. I think you would bring Anthony Gordon or St. Maximin mm-hmm. into that number 10 role behind most likely, I would say, Isak rather than... Um, rather than Wilson, because Wilson just looks a little bit spent for me. He looks a little bit tired. He's not been well recently in terms of uh, he's had a couple of illnesses. Mm. But it also, it just felt like he gave everything to be at the World Cup. And he, he's just it, it's it, he's just struggling a bit yeah. at the moment. Yeah, it's just hit him. So I think Isak will start up And Isak was very good in the second half last week. So I think Isak will start up front. And it's just whether it's, it's purely the midfield emphasis is whether Bruno starts
0: okay time has defeated so I'll end uh i'm afraid to say with a score prediction please
3: um three one man city something like that i think it'll just be a very i think newcastle uh, the, the thing that the, the thing that i felt about with the cup final last week was a lot of like a lot of build up a lot of nervous energy and then it was just we were just blown over and I think it'll kind of, that's just how it's always been at the Etihad. So as I say, I'm kind of
0: programmed to feel the same way. I think the squad will be over the the cup final though.
3: Oh yeah. I don't think that that that'll be necessarily a thing, but having said that, I did feel like that was a factor in the, in the form dropping as well, as well as Bruno not being out. I think that naturally that's going to happen and it's very difficult to, as I say, to, to switch it back on like a tap. Um, Especially at a place like the Etihad, so I just think if I just think if Newcastle perform well, then that'll, that then that's what we've got to look for, and then take the, and then see where the result comes from there. I
0: guess. Well, two pessimists on this section because I think it'll be tighter, <laughs> uh, but I'll go for a, a narrow two-one win. But I do not. I don't have the stats, but just in my head, City don't play well at half-twelve. But, you know, that, that might be rubbish. We might have won the last 27, but it doesn't feel that way. And I know a few weeks ago, Steve Jude mentioned that I think there'd been eight, 12 goals in eight of the Saturday game, the previous eight Saturday games. You know, it's just I'm not sure footballers are always attuned to playing at that time either, but we will <laughs> see. Uh, Harry, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to plug big up before we go?
3: Well, just follow me on Twitter at Harry DeCosimo and everything I post uh, journalistically uh, is is on there. Um, So follow me on there and you'll get all that
0: good stuff. Brilliant. And as always, after this weekend, all the best with the rest of the season. (laughs) And you too. Yeah, thanks once more. Right, uh, that's the end of part two. We'll get back to the panel now to predict the early game on Saturday. Okay, right. Thanks again, Harry, for taking the time out to chat to us. That was fascinating stuff. So, hey, son, early Saturday kickoff. How can you not be excited about that?
1: <laughs> Shall I tell you how I cannot be excited by it, Howard? I'll be on a bloody aeroplane. Ah. The game is on, which will be very, very, very annoying. Um, I don't, weirdly enough... I feel if I look right across the league right now, Newcastle are almost the team that I want to play the least because I think they play in a way that's really annoying in a good way for them, but in a bad way for the opposition. I also think they're coming off the back of a few bad results. And so they will, you know, I think that they will bring their their best game, their A game um so whichever angle i look at it from it will be one of the sternest tests that we face this season um i'm not sure how we fare with early kickoffs personally i don't like the early kickoff uh, i think we've had this conversation before yeah it's lovely when you win because then you because then you get the whole you know, the whole weekend of, of not having to worry but couple of points dropped and it's just the whole weekend becomes a well, write-off. One day I
0: will look up these stats, because we all think they're terrible early kickoffs and that we're never winning them, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't like the kick-off time and yeah, I'm not sure footballers like it. You know, as I said to Harry and uh, you know when I, I spoke to him, it's like, Steve mentioned a stat a few weeks ago, there's been 12 goals in the last eight Saturday kick-offs, but then there was a brilliant one after that, after he's made that stat, I think, so well, you would have heard Asan Harry talking. He was not optimistic at all. Uh, George, your thoughts? Uh, Grimaresh is fit, according to Eddie Howe. Bad news for us, because he's absolutely vital to them. However, to try and make Asan feel better, Newcastle have won four in 12 since Boxing Day. Three of those have come in the Carabao Cup. I think they failed to score in five of the last seven, they have been on the
1: wane a bit. Uh, Callum Wilson hat trick incoming. Yeah, well, I mean,
0: <laughs> Callum. So Callum Wilson himself, Harry he talked about you know, he he put everything on the line to get in that World Cup squad. Didn't get in it, and he's not been the same since. In the same way, City have had struggles since the World Cup. Yeah, apparently, yeah. Uh, Wilson himself, you know, has had his struggles and hasn't been on the form of previously. Isaac House mentioned in his press conference earlier today, he's working towards fitness, so probably isn't a starter. And their defence isn't quite as robust as it was, but they ain't going to be a walkover. I think we all know that. So, George, do you come into this feeling confident we'll get a result or do you think it really is going to be a very tight match?
2: It's going to be a really tight match, I think. Although their their form has been shaky of late in the league, just winning once, like you said, since Boxing Day, they're still not conceding loads of goals. I think they've only conceded more than two goals once in the league all season. And that was against us in the reverse fixture at the start of the season. So (laughs) they're not going to leak any kind of goals. Um, I think it's going to be a a low-scoring game. And the only thing that's... Made me a bit more optimistic is the performance of their forward players in the last few weeks and the kind of the blueprint of how to, to, to combat them. I think United did it well. They didn't give them any space. They didn't let them counter attack them. And when you ask a striker like Wilson, who loves to be counter attacking, pressing, if you, if you sit back in a bit of a lower block against him and ask him to operate in tight spaces, he's not going to score loads of goals. I think the player who was actually better at that is that Isak. He's got a bit better feet than Wilson can pick a, a pass better, so be interested to see who he goes with, Eddie Howe out of those two strikers. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really optimistic about it. But I think we will just do it. But yeah, I'm not massively optimistic.
1: The one thing I would say, um, I've, I've watched a lot of Newcastle this season, and the one thing that I felt in the last month or so is that. The big thing that I think is a little bit lacking is their defensive solidity. I think that, yes, on the one hand, it could be a very tight game. But if City were to score first and score early enough, I think it could go the other way. Um, because they are, they're, they're very much, I, I get the sense under Eddie Howe that they're very much a team where, before a ball is kicked, they'll probably take nil nil in a lot of games. But at the same time, when they go one nil down, they don't strike me as a team that are going to go well. One nil isn't embarrassing. We're going to sit back here. They will then try and push bodies forward and try and get an equaliser. So you need you need that goal almost to unlock the game. Uh, as long the longer it stays nil nil, I think the more locked the game becomes but if City mm. can get an early goal then I think it could open things up
2: yeah I, I think I think again like the early goal is it is important like you say hey, San, because their confidence levels as well coming yeah. off the back of a cup final defeat if you score early that their heads will drop do you think they'll be affected by that I think so I, I think so it was for a lot of those players you know first yeah. cup First cup final. Some of them may think they may not be playing regularly for Newcastle next season. Maybe it was their one chance to mm. make make their mark on this you know, the start of this period of Newcastle's history where they may be set up for success and they could be the the players that won the first trophy. A bit like the City cohort of 2011, who you know will always remain in in the hearts of loads of City fans for that victory. So I think that psychologically, a few of them will will be affected by the result last weekend
0: yeah and of course the pressure for City to win ASAN. Uh unfortunately Lloyd's not here for me to ask him if it's a must win game this but Arsenal at home to Bournemouth afterwards and got Fulham away and then a couple of more pretty easy home games is it a must win game or I should say for Newcastle they're out of the top four now so there's pressure on them as well now what they take from this season uh, because i Honestly, two months ago, they are finishing top four. They're doing it. But it feels now that what actually was happening is they were overachieving and regressed to the mean, as you know, I suggested to Harry when I chatted to him. And it feels that way now that it's not that they're bad now or struggling, it's that we're seeing they kind of run out of steam a bit and we're seeing they are where they should be. Because let's not forget, they only just stayed up last season and haven't been wowed in the transfer market just yet. For City, does it feel must
1: win to you? Yeah, absolutely. I think there is obviously the the context of the title race, but I just also, I just think from a momentum point of view, City haven't this season. Is it true to say we haven't won three league games on the bounce? More than yet? three, sir. Yeah, more than three. I think we need a level of momentum because I think that we're very good at carrying momentum. Um, and so, yeah, it just it becomes a must-win, whichever angle you look at it from. Um, and th- but there's no gimmies in this league. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not a game where must-win is always within the context of where we are, what our goals are, what we need to do to achieve our goals, but always with the respect to pay to the opposition to say, there are no gimmies in this league. And I wouldn't be shocked if tomorrow it's nil-nil. Do you know what I mean? Like if at the full-time whistle, somebody was like, that was nil-nil. It's like, yeah, okay. That just doesn't surprise me. Um, I think Newcastle at their best can frustrate anybody. Right, George, you get to go first with the impossible question.
0: What's the team going (laughs) to be? Is it it getting easy to predict it recently? I don't know.
2: For a game like this, perhaps? For a game like this, maybe. I think we're going to see Walker come back into the starting eleven to replace Mm. Rico. Um, Because Newcastle are a very big physical side, especially with Joe Linton likes to roam around on that left-hand side and... I think he's probably twice the size of Rico, so <laughs> you, you'd want Walker's physicality and pace, yeah. you know, up against him. And especially if Sam Maximan's going to be playing, you, you need Walker's pace to combat that. Because um, Sam Maximan did uh, run us ragged in that uh, reverse fixture at the start of the season. Thankfully, his end product leaves uh, a lot to be desired. But um, yeah, but you yeah, don't know way you came with him, do you against us? So. No, he's. Every time he shoots, it's you don't know if it's going to go flying to Rosado or top corner. He's such an unpredictable player that maybe plays into his uh, strengths sometimes. But I think I think Walker will play. I think it'll be Diaz, um, Ake, and then I think we might see the return of the Bernardo left back slash inverted holding midfielder uh, alongside Rodri with. De Bruyne, Gundo, and then Haaland Grealish Foden, I think, mm. will be the team. I think he'll keep Foden as the hot hand going in on put him on the right and then he doesn't seem to drop Grealish in any of the big games this season so far. I think he'd sooner drop Mahrez from a league match than Grealish. So yeah, that's what that's what I think the team will be. Hey, Sandy, your thoughts?
0: Is it weird in a way that Mahrez is becoming a bit of a spare part in the last three games?
1: No, mate, we need a squad. Like, we need to. There's so many games, so many competitions. There will be injuries, there will be fatigue. It was only a few weeks ago I was saying we have a problem because Phil's injured, and the only two lads available for the wide spots are Grealish and Mahrez. So, no, I don't think it's an issue. Um, For me, the team, Walker Diaz, uh Akanji I think he'll play Ake I think he'll respect Newcastle I don't think Not that he didn't respect Arsenal When he played Bernardo At left back by the way But um I, I have the feeling That he'll go with With a real back four Um And then Rodri KDB Gondo I think Foden comes Stay I think Foden stays Just because like you say He's got the hot hand Grealish and Haaland uh, I expect that To be the team I can't argue with a single
0: choice there, so. Who's who's on the bench for a goalkeeper, I wonder?
1: I think Guardiola said that Stones, Laporte, and Ortega are fit and available.
0: Oh, that's good. For Ortega. Stones is fit. Yeah. But you don't. he's not going to start in this game, is he?
1: I don't think so. He said that he's trained. He said, let me find the quote. If you bear with me for just a moment, here we go. They all trained. So on Laporte stones, uh, they all trained the last few days. They feel better.
0: So you don't think Laporte, if Laporte's 100% fit or not ill, you don't see him
1: coming back into the side. Pep's in love with the kanji. Hmm. Pep objectively is in love with the kanji. Um, And so it's hard to envisage a kanji not playing tomorrow for me.
2: Josh, do you agree? Yeah, I didn't pick Kanji in my team, but it it does make a, a lot of sense. He when when we signed him as it seemed like an afterthought signing, uh, just a, a real backup, backup fifth choice, and then he's played the most minutes out of all the centre backs. So Guardiola obviously does does love him, and that combination of his pace and also comfort on the ball Pep obviously loves that and I think he may be a good player to play against St Maximan because um, I don't think he was with us when we played in that game at the start of the season so yeah maybe he will have Walker and Kanji on that kind of um, right hand side to combat their left wingers in Joe Linton and then St Maximan further forward Okay and that just finally as we wrap it up soon
0: how do you see this game playing out then Ace and, and George both fans sir do you see City dominating possession and it being a bit of a stalemate? Yeah, I think George suggested it could be a low scoring match. This, uh, I hate to say things like that because then they turn into classics and uh, you never know what's coming in a game like this. But it could be a cautious game where City have to show patience using that ball to to finally get through and behind a resolute back line. Is that how you see it playing out, ASAN? Hey,
1: you know what? I'm going to go bullishly confident that I think that we will get the early goal, and I think that will open the game up. Well, at least we've had a couple of early goals recently, so mm. I just think I think if he plays, Phil plays, Grealish plays, Haaland, KDB. Mm. I just I, I feel as though there is not just in the team, but I think individually, there's a little bit of momentum in key players right now, um, and I think that will help us to start early and start fast
0: yeah George for you if we don't score an early goal do you think it will be a war of attrition in some you know wet, that patience that we've seen many times where it's nil-nil at half time or we drawing and it takes a second half improvement to win a game
2: yeah if it if it does get late into the second half without a goal it's going to be incredibly nervy just with the threat that they do possess on the counter an early goal would definitely open the game up. But I think they will sit back a, a lot, maybe a lot more than they did in the League Cup final, just on the basis. Maybe how will recognise that their heads are a bit low and they can build strength throughout the match. If they get into half-time and they haven't conceded, that will really revitalise them mm-hmm. and pump them up. So I think the key towards winning the match is... It'd be easy to say Harlem, but I think it's Foden. I think that unpredictability, that dynamism he brings and running. If we've got him running at that Newcastle back four, I think he'll unlock it for us. Yeah. So I think he's the key to key to victory tomorrow. Yeah,
0: his runs without
2: the ball could be as
0: important as anything else in this match. How said, I think, uh, change the way they play, but I'm not convinced. I think they could be cautious we'll see and try and get us on a break. But yeah, time will tell. Right, final question then. It's the dreaded score prediction. Hey, Sam?
1: 2-0. Clean sheet. Okay. Don't let me down, lads.
0: Harry saw a 3-1 defeat for Newcastle. I was equally pessimistic by saying it'd be a very tight two on Winter City. So, George? 1-0, uh, Phil Foden goal. Yeah. Oh, i love that. Well, I'd rather win 5-0, but yeah, that would be a nice, <laughs> that would be a nice story. <laughs> it would be indeed. Right. I think we've covered everything. George, thank you very much for taking the time out to speak to us today. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Aysan, thank you very much as well. Pleasure.
1: Thank you very much, Howard. Yeah,
0: really enjoyed that. That's a wrap. We're all off to sell some economic levers to Barcelona on eBay. Uh, Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. And as always, Aysan, up the blues.